Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Somebody say this with me, the rest of faith. All right, not, not what's left of faith, the rest of it, the rest of faith, the rest that we get to have through faith. Are you with me? I want to talk about that this morning because I think it is uh, going to be something that will really, really bless you. But before I go there, I want to tell you about, uh, I got an image sent to me before service this morning and it really kind of made me laugh. And so there's a gentleman uh, by the name of Robert that asked the televangelist to pray for his hearing. And after three minutes of violent shaking and trying to push him over backwards, The preacher then asked him, uh, you know, how's your hearing? And Robert replied, I don't know. It doesn't take place until next Tuesday. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) All right. I'm glad you guys are on track this morning. So not only did you come in spite of the rain, but you're also on top of it in your mind. You woke up, you had your coffee. Praise God. So one more time, say the rest of faith. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Palms, I mean Psalms, uh, the, book of, <laughs> the book of Palms. I believe there was a certain man that called it the book of Palms. We're not going to go there right now. The, the book of Psalms, uh, chapter number 23. Uh, I want you to just open up, just keep your Bibles open at that uh, part of the Scripture. We're going to get into that in just a second here. But, uh, you know, Basically, the gist of where I'm going here, and I haven't gone into that verse of Scripture, but if you want to in your own time, and if the Lord will allow me to go into that, I will. But I want to talk uh, about mostly this topic on Hebrews, the fourth chapter. The Apostle Paul goes through a great, great length to start out Hebrews chapter four. That is, if he is the author of the book of Hebrews, many people believe he was. But let's just go ahead and say it's the Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter four. He starts out talking about Genesis and entering into rest. And he's talking about this rest, all right? And when he starts out in Hebrews chapter four, he's talking about rest from the beginning. So in other words, in order for us to understand what's available to us now, we've got to start out in the beginning. So what does that look like from the beginning? We've got Adam in the garden. God breathes into his nostrils. He, is, he comes alive. He takes his first breath. Many of you have heard me talk about the revelation of rest in in Adam when he comes into the garden for the very first time and he receives the very first breath. Listen to this right now. Don't 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 lose track of this. Adam when life when life comes into him and God breathes into him. His very first interaction with number one God and life itself is that he enters in, the Bible says that Adam was created in the evening of the sixth day. God created Adam first or last? God created Adam last. God created um, his most prized possession last 
in the garden. Are you with me? He created him. In fact, the Bible declares when, when God is creating man, He says, let us make man in our image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, God the Father is present. God the Son is present. The Holy Spirit is present. When God is speaking, the Word that God is speaking is the manifestation of the Word, the Christ. And the Holy Spirit is there as the one who is the executor or the dunamis power of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God, So the Holy Spirit is, uh, 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 so the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are at work in creation. Such a beautiful, picture, Adam gets life and the first thing he experiences is the evening of the sixth day. And so let me go ahead and ask you this, when you, when you, when you are in the evening time, what do you do? Somebody say rest in this place. Okay, yeah, if you can do that, you can do that too. Yeah, so somebody say rest. Come on, do I have some rest in this house? All right, all right, let's not go there, all right. At some other point, we will do it. But the point of the matter is, is that we have rest. And so here, what is important to understand is Adam's first experience is rest. God, in His infinite wisdom, didn't go, oh, we'll just create all of the earth, we'll get food going and then we'll just put Adam in and then we'll do the rest of it. He creates them last. Why? Because God is preparing an earthly provision. He's preparing everything for the masterpiece. So by the time He puts the masterpiece into the garden, He's gonna have everything that He needs. In, his, in God's mind, He is preparing a place for Adam. Come on, come on, God is, this is the thought process of God. And so He eventually creates Adam and, and, and Adam's, the intention of the Father for Adam to be created is that Adam is created and we are created for His pleasure. And God situated Adam in the garden so that any time He wants to communicate with him that He can say, Adam, and Adam can say, yes, Lord. There would be nothing that would hinder that communication at any part of the day with Adam. He just wanted uninterrupted fellowship with him because everything Adam needed was completely accomplished by God in the first part of the first five, six days. He has created everything that Adam is gonna need so that there can be perfect communication. And by the way, according to Jewish understanding, the evening is considered the beginning of the day. So in other words, for the Jewish people, when you come to the evening of the day, when you rest, that's when you begin your day. So you begin with rest. So God begins Adam in rest. And so Adam here, and look at this, this is where we're gonna draw the, uh, something, a picture for you really in your mind today that's gonna tell you something. Listen to me right now. You will, you will be able to connect the dots by what I'm about to tell you. Adam was never put into a position where Adam could say to God, hey, God, what can I help you with? I mean, when it came to creation, right? He couldn't even say, Lord, let me do. 
Can I do this or can I do? He he did, he couldn't even do that. Why, what would God's response have been if Adam said, "Can I do any? Is there anything that I can do for you?" How many of you would like to answer that? What God would say to Adam if He asked him what the, what He could do? Anybody want to take a shot at it? Yeah, ha ha ha! It's a good one. That's good. So He would actually say this, Adam, it is finished. Did you just connect the dots? All right. So essentially, Paul now, let's go back to Hebrews 4, when he's talking about Genesis, when he's talking about rest, he's talking about the rest that has been made available to us as a body of believers, but he's going back to Genesis because he's getting us to look back at the beginning on how God created us to, for His good pleasure, and that in Christ, come on, are you with me? Jesus won back the authority that was stripped from us through the enemy and everything that hindered us and, got, and, and everything that got us cut off from the Father, are you with me? That we were dead, come on, that we were dead and cut off. But now that Jesus came, who is the second Adam, are you with me? He purchased for us, uninterrupted fellowship all over again so that you and I on this side of the cross, when we go and say, God, what can we help you with? What can we do? He says, nothing, everything that you have as a result of your salvation has all already been put in the body of Jesus. And the last time that I checked, He completely, victoriously conquered death, hell and the grave. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, which means whatever He did still stands right now for you and I as believers in this new covenant. Oh, come on, somebody give Jesus a shout of praise. So He purchased your rest. He purchased for you uninterrupted fellowship. Everything that needed to be done was done on His part. Come on, somebody. So we have that available to us, but are we necessarily walking in what has been made available to us? No, that's why it takes the renewing of the mind. That's why it takes... Um, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, getting our minds renewed to what's already taken place in the finished work of the cross of Calvary so that we can begin to manifest exactly what Adam had in the garden. Come on, are you with me? And guess what? Here's what we need to understand. The covenant that you and I have is greater than the covenant that God made with Adam in the garden. Come on. Why do I say that? Because the covenant that God made with Adam in the garden was only as strong as Adam's ability to stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All this is yours, Adam. Perfect rest. 
Come on, a, a, a communication that cannot be robbed. I, the, the, I've created you, the, everything that I've been talking about. He's saying, Adam, this is all available to you, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam never died. He died spiritually. He was cut off from God, which is death. Come on, to be cut off from God. I mean, let me tell you right now, you might be spiritually dead, but you're physically a corpse too. You might have the ability to function, but I tell you what, you will never know the fullness of joy. You will never know peace. You will never know any of those things that come from the Father of lights. That's all available to us here and it's all available to us now. Now, what's the difference? It was as good as Adam's ability to either partake of the tree or not partake of the tree. And what did he do? He partook of the tree and sin entered. The transgression came. And everything that you and I today, all of humanity, because the Bible says by one man's disobedience, all, somebody say all. So by one man's disobedience, and now we know that's Adam, by one man's disobedience, all were made sinners. Every one of us. And I usually like to say this, you were not born a sinner because you sinned. You never came out of your mother's womb having committed adultery. And if you did, please show me how you did it because that's pretty amazing. You didn't come out of your mother's womb sipping on a Bottle of tequila. You weren't born a sinner because you sinned. You were born a sinner because Adam sinned. I'm not making that up. How many of you were born a sinner because you actually sinned? No. By one man's sin, by one man's disobedience, all were made sinners. We were made sinners because of what Adam did in the garden. Am I preaching Bible here to you? By one man's obedience, many were made righteous. In other words, to them that believe, you have been made the righteousness of God. You not you you were not. Uh, but by one man's obedience, many will become the righteousness of God. No, the Bible says by one man's obedience, you were made the righteousness of God in that, you know, there is nothing that you could have done in your own strength and ability to have ever become perfect righteousness. Jesus came, died in your place, having become righteousness for you. In fact, that righteousness has been given to you as a gift. The righteousness that you are in Christ is not your righteousness, it's His righteousness. He gave it to you as a gift. It is wrapped up in a present. And when you said yes to Jesus and you believed upon Him, He gave you a gift of righteousness. Now, We've got to become confident in the gift. Because some of us that are in Christ, that are still, come on, are you with me? And, and I, I need to go back to what I was about to say here, but I'll get back to Some of us are still not tapping into the gift that was given to us. Because for us in our little minds, come on, 
our finite minds in this earth suit that we have. The Bible talks about that we have this treasure in jars of clay or another translation says earthen vessels or another translation says earth suit. We have this treasure in these earth suits that the excellence of the power is of God and not of us. So you with me? So everything that comes from above is from Him, including the gift of righteousness. But we have a really hard time separating our own efforts. We're talking about rest here. We have a hard time receiving the gift of righteousness because righteousness because we feel that in order for God to communicate with us, it's all about our efforts. And so we take the gift of His righteousness, we put it to the side and then we begin to tap into religious righteousness, righteousness of the flesh, which is self-righteousness and a righteousness that is not rooted in Him because we have no faith in the righteousness that was given to us as a gift. And in order to see any of the spiritual blessings manifest in our lives, like it ought to be manifesting, it is when we step on over into saying, God, I trust You with this gift that I have been made because of You and I'm gonna lean in and trust on it, not from a position of earning and deserving, I'm gonna rest in it. And when I begin to rest in it, guess what happens? I begin to go, oh, shambrakaye, oh, how glorious, how wonderful it is to rest in His righteousness and guess what happens? Out of a something happens as I begin to step on back and just lay down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then I begin to, uh, He lays me down in green pastures. I lay down and as I'm laying down, resting in Him, you see, doing anything for God and, and resting in His righteousness isn't about inactivity or doing nothing. It is about resting in His gift of righteousness so that when we rest in it, something takes place. It's no longer about your efforts, but it shifts from you going into rest, which causes something on the inside of you to go, Lord, with my life, I want to serve You. And now as we engage, we are engaging from the righteousness that is on the inside of us and not a self-righteousness that religion produces in the church world that you and I know today. Because the church will today, and I'm sorry to say it, but I will say it and I say it out of love. The church will today, and don't go down the road of the Catholic church right now because we know that there are a lot of works there and I'm not here to criticise or anything, but I am telling you that it is full of your own efforts in order to get to heaven. And if we think that the charismatic circles and the Christian circles have become any better, think again. Because the same leaven that leavens the lump in the institution called religion has also come into the, 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 the world of most of the churches that you and I know today. The same religious devil that operates in those other places now operate in other circles.
where we start getting everybody on the treadmill of performance. We're not here to get you on a treadmill of performance. We're here to set you free, to tell you, get off of that treadmill and throw it in the dadgum trash. And now begin to walk in an experience and relationship with Jesus based on what He's done with you and begin to rest and let God empower you. In fact, if you feel like you are in the, in the performance, uh, the way of performance and you come through these doors and you feel like, oh my God, is, what am I hearing? Is this really the Gospel? Yes, it's the Gospel. This is the Gospel. You are hearing the Gospel today. Because religion has taught a, 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 a has, has brought about a doo-doo culture. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. We gotta do, 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 do. And nobody's saying we don't have to do anything, but you understand the way that you do religion, religion's way of doing is rooted in self and relationships doing is rooted in response. And we see so much of the church world that love God, that are burnt out, that are exhausted from church, exhausted from religion. And some people just like it. Why? Because they like to have their religious idol and their religious golden calf. They like some of the attention on themselves. You see, to, in order to grab a hold of the freedom of, of what Jesus has pers- purchased for you, sometimes it takes a humility in bowing your knee. Come on, I'm talking about a posture of humility where we bow and surrender because many people don't like to wake up one day having been told they've been following the institution of religion for 20, 30 years and then finding out, oh my goodness, they've been doing so much of it in their own strength and and, uh, they've gone and they've taught and they've peddled a gospel, not actually intentionally at all. They've, they've done, they've, they've, they've uh, come on, how many of you know the Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, was very zealous for Judaism. Every motivation of his heart was to do the right thing, but he was the greatest persecutor of the church and he might have had the greatest motivations in the world. But let me tell you right now, between the Gospel, the track, the railway track called the Gospel and between whatever railway track, he was on a completely different way, railway track. He needed to be detracted and put onto the railway of the gospel. God came and knocked him so hard, he took the S off of his name and put a P in his place and he became the apostle Paul. But he might've had all good religious intentions and he might've been zealous, but he suddenly had a cold shower the day that he encountered God on his way to Damascus. I'm talking about ceasing from your efforts, ceasing from your works, resting in God so that He becomes the one producing those works through you. It's 
Some people go, well, he told us that we just got to cease his works. And do, no, no, I never said you don't have to do anything. But before you jump on the treadmill of wanting to do, do, do again, can you just sit down and rest and at least get God? Just Can you just bask in His goodness for you for a little bit? Can you just sit and allow Him to just restore your youth? Come on, restore and rejuvenate you. Can you just sit under that? Can you sit under the glory of God? And guess what? The anointing, even if you're on the treadmill of performance, it doesn't matter. God's presence still works. Self-righteousness can still produce a temporary glory. Self-righteousness, your your self-righteousness by your effort can produce a temporary anointing. Oh, what now? Do what? So you can be on the treadmill and you can be preaching in order to be like me, this is what you have to do. If you wanna be as anointed as I am, this is what you have to do. Now, nobody goes out and deliberately says that, but some people say it and, and, and innocently, and, 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 but in, invisibly, that's what we're saying. In order to be just like him, I need to do everything that he does. And we lay out our list of our dues. Well, I pray, you know, spending, you know, obviously, uh, I, I, you know, I pray for four hours every day. And, and during that time, the Lord's been speaking to me. And I just know that because I'm praying that long, God is just moving in the most powerful way. And I know it's because I'm praying. You know, ever since two years ago, the Lord told me to fast four days every week. And I know I've been seeing results because God told me to fast every uh, four days every week. And, and it's just been nothing short of amazing. And the anointing is increasing, uh, uh, you know, uh, just because. And now listen, one, whatever, God, and <laughs> whatever God tells one person is He's telling one person. Do you know that you have an individual relationship with God? Yes. Did you know that? Well, you should. I'm just kind of wanting to remind you. So God might tell you to fast for four days a week, which you have to obey His voice. You're sitting there resting in His goodness. And He says, David, I want you to fast for four days a week for the next two months. And, and, and you love God, so you respond and you go into that fast and you're experiencing great results because why? God led you and His grace is sufficient to you because where He leads, He feeds. Where He guides, He provides. But if David gets, gets up here and says, I think everybody should be fasting for four days every week, or we look at David and we think David's highly anointed. I want to find out what he's doing and do that. So what, what, what has been an anointing and a grace on David is not necessarily the anointing and the grace that God's got for you. And then you end up doing what somebody else is doing and then you wonder why you feel exhausted and you're not seeing any fruit or results. Or you might be able to do it for a month and feel really good and you'll feel good. But the problem with that is it's gonna be temporary because the day that you shall surely stop you shall begin to feel, well, I don't feel anointed. 
I didn't pray today, therefore God can't use me. I can't do this. And I, I just feel, and you begin to, now condemnation sets in and you're not doing enough and you're not doing enough. Are you, are you with me? Come on, somebody. It is the cycle. This is a religious cycle. Now I've got good news for you. The anointing in my... <laughs> Let me go ahead and say this. So religious religion will get mad. Uh, let me just tell you right now, the anointing works for me at, on all occasions. If I didn't pray today when I woke up, guess what? The anointing of God. And, and this is the problem that people have. Well, how can you say that? How can you say that? Well, is the anointing on your life because of you? Or is the anointing on your life because of His obedience? Well, you don't understand. If you just do that, then, then uh, uh, you'll just uh, you know, never pray or never do anything and you're just gonna be as anointed. Yes, that's right. But which person where they feel so in awe of what God's done for them is gonna sit back and pick their nose and never respond to God out of His goodness? That's like somebody gives me 10 acres of land down the road and I'm like, just this is wonderful. And I never ever take the time to get into my vehicle after signing the paperwork and it's now mine, it's been given to me. I've inherited 10 acres of land. I never get ever into my vehicle and, and I never go onto that property to see what needs to be done because it's now my responsibility. Come on, you have all been given a field now that you are in Christ. It is your responsibility with the, with the calling and purpose of God that He's given to you in the field that He has given to you, that you tend to your field. How you tend to your field is what we're talking about. One will be tending it from a, from, from religious, uh, from a religious standpoint and one will be tending to it. Uh, one will be earning and deserving the field. Come on, are you with me? You have been given the field. You don't have to earn and deserve. Come on, let me just go ahead and say that one more time. Everything that Jesus made available to you, He gave to you as an inheritance. Now, which part of an inheritance do we not understand? An inheritance is something that is given to you. You can't work for it. That is futility. You can't be given $10 million in your bank today. Somebody say, hallelujah. Let's just say everybody got $10 million. You looked into, you went online and you looked, you said, oh my goodness, it's $10 million. How many of you'd feel a bit excited about that today? Maybe three of you, okay. But futility would be you going to the bank and asking the bank manager, hey, Mr. Bank Manager, could I come four days a week? I'm working 40 hours a week. Could I come uh, out of the f four days out of the five days from 6 to 8 p.m. and I'll work for two hours a day and uh, I want to be able to take out $5,000 uh, per time that I come. Is that futility? Absolutely, it's futility. You don't have to go to the bank to earn for them the money that belongs to you in that account. That's your money. You don't have to do anything for it. It's yours. What Jesus gave you is yours. When we stand before Him, we'll give an account of what He's given to us. He said, I gave you all of this. Now let's see what you did with the garden of your life. Yes. 
Religion will have you just like the person going to try and get the inheritance from the bank manager or the one who understands that he is a son in the house of God, resting in the provisions that he's got, resting in God and living a life of obedience. When God says, do, we do. When He says nothing, we rest. When He says, do, we do. When He says nothing, we rest. Otherwise we end up in a lot of do-do. Right, because yeah, because we've taught the church to be a do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do culture. And I'm not sitting on the other side of here bringing some reverse psychology gospel to you. It's not. It's actually the gospel. All I'm saying is that there is doing, we are, the book of Ephesians 2 verse 8 actually says that we have been created in Christ Jesus beforehand, that God has prepared us beforehand. Oh, actually it says you've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. So, we, so nobody's saying we don't do here. But the works that we manifest were created by God beforehand. And the anointing that we need in order to manifest what God has prepared for us beforehand was never given to us to accomplish within our own strength because then we would have no need for faith and no need for God in any of that equation because we can do it in our own strength. Come on. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Somebody say, God has a green pasture for me. Say, today I make the decision to lay down in that green pasture. Today I make a decision to rest in God. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, come on, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In South Africa, when I'm reading to my South African folk, I would say, my rod... I would say this here, right there, uh, your, your rod and your staff, comfort. Because we don't staff over there, we staff. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Somebody say that God has anointed my head with oil. Say this, my cup runs over. Put your hand on your heads right now. Go ahead and do it. Say, he anoints my head with oil. Now, Lord, let that oil flow in Jesus' name. Let their brimming cup run over. Oil of heaven flow in Jesus' name. Come on. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How many of you heard the preachers say, you have an angel 
you have angels walking beside you. One is goodness and one is mercy and they're following you all the days of your life. Well, I have no problem. I agree with that. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But, but this is such a, a this is, uh, this is a, a, a psalm that you and I should be binding to ourselves. Like if we could print it out, I mean, in the spiritual sense, or if we could put it into a treasure box and, and we could put it into something that we could drink as a nutrient, we should be drinking Psalms 23 every single day, just like a, a, a come on, a, a, a protein shake, if you will, and every day just drawing comfort from it because everything about that is comforting. Everything about that is, is, is rest. And, and this is what I want you to see here is David, attitude in this, uh, you, you, the, the rest that David actually even walked in and, and sometimes he entered and stepped out, but the, the rest that David entered into was because of what you're reading in the Psalm. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. Or for us, we can say the Holy Spirit. David, David never. Op- David didn't even have what we have now. The Spirit within. He was led into paths of righteousness. We have been imputed with righteousness. So now, where it says He leads me in paths of righteousness, come on, the Holy Spirit in us leads us to operate in the righteousness that's been imputed to us. Amen? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but more than that, verse five, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. You, do you anoint your head with oil? Who anoints your head with oil? He does. You prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. You don't prepare the table. He prepares the table for you. He's prepared a wonderful table for me and it is glorious. And in order to partake of that table, you cannot be intimidated by your opponent. He prepares a table for you in the midst of your opponents. He anoints your head with oil. In other words, listen, let me go ahead and let me just say this in a prophetic sense here today. That let me, let me just say here, Louisiana, Lafayette, uh, <laughs> Lafayette didn't need, uh, uh, I didn't need to come here uh, by the grace of God as a family with my wife. We didn't come here because Lafayette needed another church. Certainly not. We're not even operating by the same, yeah, we're having church. In a, in a sense, we're, it's organised in a sense. It's organised, why? Because you come to a church, we have chairs for you to sit on. We have a worship team. We flow in the Holy Spirit. We, we have somewhat, listen, it doesn't, it's not just Kesara, whatever will be. We have to be able to give you a location where we meet. We have to be able to gather together and we teach the Word. Uh, we teach the Word. The Bible has, God says that He chose that through the foolishness of preaching. So God chose the method of preaching 
Not me, I didn't choose that method, God did. So we have somewhat of an organisation here, but we never came here to try and do what everybody else is doing. No, we didn't. We're not trying to do what everybody else is doing. And we won't do it either. We will not, you, 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 we're, not gonna, we're not gonna be put in a box and we're not gonna conform to that. We will follow the voice of the Holy Spirit and we will do only what He says do. Otherwise, we are going to end up just like everybody else, feeding the monster of religion. We're not gonna do it. This is not, we're not here to try and get as many people through the door in the sense of compromising the message that we have so we can accommodate the numbers. We're not gonna do it. Jesus will build His church. Because I'm telling you right now, we better stay the course with what you are hearing right now because the storm is coming. And what they've got it built on right now, it's not gonna stand. People need to go to a place where the anointing is real and where we know how to tell, speak it like it is because in the hour to come, we're gonna need something that carries the anointing and power of God that doesn't just make you feel good on a Sunday. I couldn't live with myself. I would be the most miserable person. I would be so miserable. to treat the church like an institution and make it all about, I would be the most miserable person if I had to do that. And I've just chosen not to be miserable. I just wanna be in the grace for my place as you should be in the grace for your place. Are you with me? Now, I'm not criticising and God will use, God still loves His church. Are you with me? God still loves His church. So this is not coming from a critical, I'm not coming from a critical spirit. I'm not just sitting tearing places down. But I'm not in a rush to get into a big circle and just sing Kumbaya because we've got to get all the leaders together. I'm not doing it because it's going to come at the cost of me, at the cost of me saying, because something I might say might offend somebody down the road that's a leader over there. And then we come together, we all eat in a circle. Listen, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you how this is. I've been now, this is not my first rodeo. We sit together and then, and then uh, you know, we know that there's things that we preach that they don't preach. And then, you know, all of a sudden now we start backing off down of our message and, and we compromise on what we have to do. It's not, it's not unity. Talk to Jesus. He wasn't holding big Sanhedrin. He wasn't trying to sit down with the Sanhedrin of his day, the Pharisees, the wouldn't sees, the couldn't sees, the, and, and everybody. He wasn't trying to all sit them down to have unity meetings. And he wasn't about to, you know, you've heard the expression, if the cat gets rubbed the wrong way, let the cat turn around. Jesus was not about to turn around for anybody. And he wasn't there trying to instigate it. The truth in him challenged the religion in them. So the only way Jesus could get into unity with the spirit of religion was for him to change what he was doing. And how many of you know that he wasn't about to do that? Do you think that that spirit is not alive today right now? All right.
He prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. And, and this is, you know, come on. This is, uh, we're going to continue on this on this because I feel the anointing on this subject. He prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. He prepares a table for you in the midst of your enemies. Come on, you're going to Oklahoma. He prepares a table for you in the midst of your enemies. And every door that your enemy tries to shut, it will not work because the doors that God opens, no man will shut. He prepares a table for you in the midst of your enemies. He makes a way for you where there seems to be no way. There's nothing about the plan and the will of God that leaves you abandoned in any way, shape or form. That there is provision. There is provision. Right now, the waves might be turning and there might be some turbulence, but I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is that He said, go to the other side in a spiritual and a prophetic sense, go to the other side, which means God says you're going to the other side. So whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, God says it's only temporary. Amen? So, so and, and this is where I'm finishing up here. You know, you've heard me say this, but I've got to tell you, and it's never going to change because either God said it or He didn't say it or, 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 or we have to change our story. Come on, you know when, you know when somebody's in the court of law and they're busy interrogating them on the left side, on the right side, and they're trying to throw uh, uh, every kind of question imaginable. If the truth is there, then it doesn't matter what's being thrown out. There's no other way than the person that is standing on the stand whenever he responds the story must remain the same. Why? Because that is the the absolute truth according to what is on the inside of them. Are you with me? And so what I'm saying is when we came, I remember I was in Brandon, Florida, uh, 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 Riverview, right in Tampa. And, and, and I, had a, I had a vision in a sense. And as I was praying uh, to come over here, I, I saw myself. And I just said this recently, and I'm saying it one more time. When I, when I saw myself coming and, and, and I saw people coming towards me and they came to me uh, with, with a little bit of a, uh, you know, a hostile posture and they said, uh, who sent you? Why am I sitting praying and having a vision of people coming to me asking me who sent me? Because I understand it's the spirits behind all of it. And the Lord said to me as I was having that vision, when they ask you who sent you, you tell them first and foremost, He said, tell them the I am sent you. So I, when I say that I have a table prepared for me in the midst of my enemies, I am, <laughs> I don't even know who my, why? Because I'm sitting feasting at the table that the Lord's prepared for me that I have no time to be concerned about where my enemies are. All I know is I've got to guard 
what God has brought me to carry, to release to this region. I've got to guard and protect that more than anything else. And it will never, just like the ministry of Jesus, He didn't compromise for anybody. I will guard this, what God has put. I'm guarding the anointing, the anointing that breaks every yoke, the anointing that comes and penetrates and brings breakthrough. I guard that so that the kingdom of God and the light of the anointing of the glory of God can be made manifest in a region. And I'm not sitting here like an with a spirit of arrogance. I'm just trying to say, I will be who God's called me to be. And I'm not sitting in, a, I'm not, it's not a false humility. It is a confidence before God. And I assure you, the confidence under which I stand is because of His goodness and His grace. And it's got nothing to do with me. And it's all about pointing back to Jesus. Because that's, that is the longing of my heart. And the day that that sound changes, walk away. God has called us to see souls saved and we're four souls, but God has also called us to bring life to the people that have been wounded by religion, that have been on the treadmill of performance, to free them, to come back into God, allowing God to restore them. You know, some people walk through this door and I have one couple here and it's not important who they are. There's many, many couples, but I'm just using this as a story. Uh, but, but, but I've seen so much life and joy since the day that they walked in and, and, and it's just been a wonderful thing. And, and the very first thing I said was just all you need to do, guess what? Just sit back and rest. Just rest in God. It's what you need to do, just rest. Let God minister to you. Let the Spirit of God work in you. Let God do whatever He wants to do on the inside of you and just sit until the response comes. Because you, you, what we've got to do is uh, you think it's all wonderful. People walking through the room. I'm not talking about anybody here. That's not what I'm saying. It, it is easier to work with a brand new convert that's never set their foot into the church one day of their life than to work with Christians that have been in the ministry for years or been in church for years. It's easy, but we have the grace for it. We have a grace that is sufficient for God and we embrace the calling of God. But a lot of the time we have to deconstruct to reconstruct. And that's why resting in God and just letting God minister to you Lay down in those green pastures. Let God minister to your heart and your spirit. Let God minister to your body. Rest. You know that there's even healing in resting? There is healing in rest. I'm not, and, and I'm not, nothing that I'm making, nothing that I'm talking about is not the Bible. The book of Hebrews, the sixth chapter says, cease from your dead works. Ceasing from dead works. What is a dead work? Anything that tells you that it's about what you do that, keep, that, that earns your righteousness. Anything that you do that tells you that what you're doing 
keeps that righteousness is a dead work. Anything that tells you that what you do equals more anointing is a dead work. You don't pray to get, this is the problem. This is, this is where I'm ending here. You don't pray to get more anointed. No amount of prayer will make you more anointed. You are already fully anointed by Jesus the Christ. You are as anointed as you will ever be right now. So what does prayer do for you? Prayer gets you to understand the revelation of what's on the inside of you already. So can you operate in deeper anointings? Yes, absolutely. But it's not because the anointing grew stronger because of what you did. It's because the anointing started manifesting in a greater way because your mind got a revelation of what was on the inside of you already. See, the anointing's not somewhere hiding on the outside in some labyrinth of the fourth and sixth to eighth dimension. It's not some three ways to the seven steps of the seven ladders you have to climb in order to get it. Come on, I'm just gonna defuse the bomb that will tell you any such garbage. It's not there somewhere. It's already on the inside of you. And your thinking and this mind that needs to bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what is a thought? You know, sometimes we think about the thoughts and this is all about resting. Sometimes those thoughts that we've got to bring to the obedience of Christ, we think it's like, oh, some demon flew by and we've got to bring that, we've got to bring down that demon to the obedience. That thought is a thought that tells you it's all about you. By one man's Transgression, all were made sinners. By one man's disobedience, by one man's obedience, all many were made righteous. By one man's obedience, by his obedience, you were made righteous. So any thought that tells you you are righteous because of your works is a thought that you have to bring subject to his obedience. Hallelujah, amen. So glad you came to church. Sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. Hallelujah. Come on. I know like it's got a little bit quiet in here and it's not for any other reason is that there's a, just a holy respect for what the Lord is saying. How many of you feel like the Lord's ministered to you here today? How many of you are glad you came to church? It's okay, please sit postured in humility and say, God, did, is what I'm hearing today, I mean, really, Lord, and, and just learn, come on, sit back, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. In fact, let me just tell you right now, if you think God has used you, this is prophetic, and I'm throwing it into the atmosphere because I know what I'm saying right now. If you think that you have been used by the Lord already, if you will take what you heard today, God said He's going to explode your ministry like never before. Did you hear what I just said? 
And you're going to help more people than you ever helped before. And God says a lot of those people that they're still trying to earn and deserve, God says it's time to free them from the shackles of religion and let them rest in me and allow that anointing to flow from the place of rest that I originally intended for it to flow from. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise here today. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to, for, 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 I'm going to make myself available. And if anybody needs prayer for, for anything that's ministered to you, I'm going to make myself available to, to, for that right now. But I just want to go ahead and uh, thank our uh, online streaming viewers. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed and while we have everybody here, we can do this together at the same time. If we can go ahead and have the um, offering slides up really quickly. Um, for those of you watching on the live stream, you should in a moment be able to see the same slide that uh, everybody here physically is seeing. So if you are giving today, make sure that you are writing out, if you are writing out checks, make them out to DRM or Destiny Revival Ministries. You can give them on the side. Uh, there are envelopes, just pop your in, uh, offering in the envelope basket. Uh, then also you can give online. You can go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com and you can give by clicking on the Give Today button where you can give safely and securely. And then also we have one other way that you can do, and that's called text, uh, text to give. Uh, so you can text the, to the number 337-434-3777. That's 337-434-3777. Text that number, the word give. Click send and the, it will respond with a link where you can give safely and securely. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, now we can go ahead and say goodbye to our online audience. God bless you, everybody. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for your anointing. Father, I thank you that every word spoken today has come from the motivation of the love of God. Lord, I thank You that truly that there is a supernatural impartation of Your peace, Your joy. And everything that You have done for us. Father, by Your Spirit and by Your anointing, even as people have been sitting here just meditating on the Word and the Word's coming forth, I thank You, Lord, that there is a new level of freedom for every single person in this place. Every shackle, every yoke, every religious ideology, Lord, things that are challenged, that's okay. Let them be challenged. But let the fruit of whatever manifests after that bring you into a greater freedom and rest in Him. In the provision that He purchased for you, that Adam lost, God restores to you in the mighty name of Jesus. It's all part of the work of salvation. This too was purchased for you. In, it's part of the package of salvation, experiencing the sozo life of God for everybody. Lord, let everything that we do come from a position of rest. Hallelujah. Thank you for it right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all those that love the Lord said, Amen, amen, amen.